So hi, one of the Good Nights Podcast here with Mike Henberger. We're going to ask him some questions today. I'm going to start. So what inspired you to start writing, and what made you make the switch from being a songwriter to writing books? Um, well, I, I've been writing forever. Like, I was, I was writing songs. I started writing songs when I was, like, 14. Um, that's when I started my first band. And I started writing, like, journalism. Like, my brother and I started a magazine um and i started writing it was a zine at first but now it's kind of like a bigger alternative newspaper in texas um and i started writing like or we started writing kind of satirical news that was local based so it was like this is back in like 2002 and like the onion was around in print Mm -hmm. but there was no like hard times and no online stuff really um so we like really loved that so we would do that kind of stuff like making fun of our hometown and stuff um but what made me switch to that was I don't know how to play an instrument. So <laughs> whenever my, I played in bands for seven years and I was the singer, um, the lead singer of both bands, the two bands that I was in. And when those bands broke up, I just like, am not good enough at guitar to write songs. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also like I, I was invited to play in, or to sing for other bands and like in where I'm from. Um, and I, you know, started practicing with a third band, but it didn't work out. And then I kind of just like realized that I, you know, in the two bands I was in before, I did a lot of work for those bands. Like I hustled my butt off for those bands, like managing and booking tours and stuff. And the other people in the bands were the ones who decided to break those bands up. Like I had no say in it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like it started to realize that I didn't want to be in that position ever again where I could work so hard to make something succeed and then someone else could decide to just stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I kept writing. And, um, you know, that eventually turned into doing like stand up comedy for a little while um, and writing screenplays and stuff. And so it's, I'm a very like independent person. And I think it's because of that stuff. Like when I played in bands, it's just, you know, ended by somebody else's choice. So that led me to writing. Oh. Yeah. Wow, you're a very creative person. Like, stand-up comedy, writing, managing, that's a lot. You know, I think it's all based in the same thing, you know? It's like, I just want to tell stories. And, you know, like, now I'm a video producer. Like, I produce and and direct commercials, and, like, I've done a couple music videos and stuff. Um, But I've been working in video production for the last six years or so. but it's all based in the same thing. You know, I just have, I, I, I'm a storyteller and, Mm -hmm. you know, especially, you know, as, as the years go on that there are just more ways to tell stories. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up as a pretty poor kid. So I didn't always have like video equipment, you know, like some kids grow up with. Um, And so it just, man, like, it's, I mean, that's why I couldn't keep playing in bands because I just didn't have instruments to learn growing up. Yeah. And so I got to get with other people who could play instruments and I was able to tell my stories, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my brother and I had to start our own magazine so we could, my brother's super creative too. Um, so we could tell stories in the way we wanted to. And then stand-up comedy is just like, I don't need money to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't need anything to do that except the opportunity to go on stage somewhere. Um, and so that's all it is really like fortunately now you know after college i was able to move to new york and work in production um and so now i'm able to tell stories that way 
mm. when I get the opportunity, I still don't own like really nice camera gear so I can go out and make my own short films and stuff. But I have friends who do and who are good at that stuff who can help mm -hmm. me out. So yeah, it's really all based in the same thing. And anybody who, I feel like anybody who has that, like the desire to tell stories, all it takes is just keeping up with the way stories are being told. Yeah. You know, like, like I should know how to be good at TikTok <laughs> because that's how stories are being told now, you know? Yeah. But I'm not. And it's the thing about TikTok for me is I feel like everyone on there is a performer. Mm -hmm. and I'm not a performer you know I'm a storyteller and so I, I just haven't figured out how I translate what I have to say into onto TikTok's format but like I've been doing this for so long that that's what I've had to learn how to do in order to stay doing what I'm doing you have yeah. to learn how to use Facebook when algorithms change and you know use Instagram when Instagram takes store like brings in stories because snapchat was you know to compete with snapchat like yeah if you're if you have a passion to tell a story you just have to keep up with how stories are being told yeah, yeah. Okay. that's the hard part about it like learning all that stuff and studying yeah makes sense we still suck at tiktok so it's all right we have one oh, video to hear from the teenagers <laughs> Well, uh, congrats on your newest book release, uh, Rock Bottom nice. at the Renaissance, an emo kid's journey through falling in and out of love in and with New York City. Yeah. How's the response to the book so far? Thank you. Um, it's been great. It's been out since June. Um, and yeah, it's been really great. Like we were saying before, um, you know, I'm in a lot of like pop punk groups and yeah. emo groups and like on Facebook and like groups for bands that I love like Bayside and uh, the Wonder Years and stuff like that and it's really cool that like sometimes people will just randomly pop up and yeah. and like post it in there and be like hey have you guys seen this like I got an ad for it on Facebook because I oh. learned how to do Facebook ads mm -hmm. gotta learn that stuff man yeah you have to um <laughs> but uh but yeah so like random people will just post it and then like comments will flow in from more random people about like how they've already bought it and they like it and or they you know they'll like tell them it's a good book and they should buy it and that's really cool like i did an indiegogo at first to kind of help with some of the costs of um marketing it and just getting it out there in front of people um because you can pretty much publish a book for free now with Amazon mm -hmm. and some other companies that'll that'll do print on demand. So they just get paid as people order it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but like I did this Indiegogo and surprisingly, like I didn't hit my goal, but I still like, that's why I did Indiegogo just because if you don't hit your goal, you can still like get the money you raise. Whereas Kickstarter, you have to hit your goal. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I had, like, even though I didn't hit my goal, I had like, 250 people support it which is oh, like yeah. super cool to me you know um and so really that's all that like like i mean i don't want to say it like that matters to me but like the fact that people are interested in what i have to say or mm -hmm. supportive of me because they you know have seen other things that i've done like that's that's very cool to me but also you know, most of those people from the Indiegogo I knew or like are from my hometown or other places I've lived. Um, but uh, seeing like strangers read it and get something from it, that's what matters to me, you know, because it's a pretty personal story and 
pretty dark and it's pretty serious uh, sometimes. I mean, it's kind of serious. But uh, so, yeah, when people like get something out of it or connect to it or tell me they relate to it, that's what really matters to me. And I've, I've been hearing that a lot. So that's cool. Well, that's good to hear. See, what's really cool about it is because like you're kind of your own demographic, you know, like oh, the yeah. music. Yeah. And that's so cool because you get to see people's reaction to the book because you're already in that group of people. Yeah. No, like, and I think, yeah. And that's that's super important. So I my first job out of college what brought me to New York was I, I got into digital media production at Comedy Central and mm -hmm. I ran the social media accounts for shows like Workaholics and Tosh.0 um, and you know eventually I worked on like Key and Peele and some other smaller shows and stuff but uh um so well, I'm only I'm gonna clear this up because of your reaction. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sorry. I, so someone else worked on Key and Peel, but then they moved to another position, so I had okay. to pick up Key and Peel from them. Um, That's so cool. But, uh, yeah. but I was on Workaholics for like two and a half years. That was like my biggest show that I like. I I ran their Facebook and stuff, and I learned from that that how to engage with fans. You know, like when I started working on their show, they had like six hundred thousand Facebook followers, and a couple episodes left in that season and then I got them to like a million Facebook followers in like four months wow. and then I got them to two million Facebook followers in like uh, something like 16 or 18 months because I was engaging with their fans you know and yeah. I, I learned what their fans like I learned the demographic and I learned and I like came up with cool creative ways to engage their fans yeah and so like that was kind of the I mean, that's still one of the most valuable jobs I've ever had because I learned so much there. But I, you know, ever since, I mean, that was, uh, I left there in 2014, so six years ago. Um, but I learned so much. And I've and since then, I've just applied what I learned there to everything else. And it's yeah. still, like, even though social media has changed so much, that still, you know, say that principle still applies. Talk mm -hmm. to people like they're people, not like they're, you know, fans or customers, you know, yeah. and, and you're right. And that's easy for me with this because it is like my demographic, you know, I'm part of this demographic, like yeah. someone who has grown up on this music and who like feels like who actually connects to it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, that's sick. So is there any meaning behind the book name? Um, so originally, cause it was shorter um and it was called i called it the renaissance period that was the first because okay. because it takes place at a renaissance hotel so i initially called it the renaissance period but then like another thing you learn working in digital media is you know like search engine optimization mm -hmm. and like having you know if somebody searches the renaissance period a million books are going to pop up before mine does you know yeah. um and then i changed it to the renaissance ep because it was short and mm -hmm. the band MXPX put out an EP a long time ago called the Renaissance EP. Uh, so it was kind of like a tribute to them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I don't know, this that title, Rock Bottom at the Renaissance, just you know came to me and I, I liked it and I changed it to that. Um, and people I trust told me they liked it a lot. So I kept it and then the subtitle an emo kid's journey through falling in and out of love in and with New York City. <laughs> um, that, that's just like another thing that I learned from doing homework about self-publishing. Yeah. Like one of the things you learn is that 
you give your book a subtitle because people go on Amazon and they look for books about love. If they look for books about emo, my book's probably going to pop up. Yeah. You know, if they look for books about New York City, my book has been the number one bestseller in the New York City category several times. And it's oh, still wow. like, it might be like number 11 now, but it's often in the top 10 New York City category books. And, and that's all about like making that subtitle with, you know, words people will look for. And I mean, it's obviously like relevant to the book too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I, of, I often like give people a disclaimer and tell them what I just told you guys, because I'm afraid I'll be judged about that subtitle because it's kind of corny. Um, but a lot of people have pointed out how it like reminds them of like early 2000s emo songs that had those like super long titles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I keep saying I'm going to say that's what I meant to do but mm-hmm. I never say that so All right. okay. <laughs> again like that's super smart how you're basically taking out keywords that still align with what the book is doing yeah. and it helps you like I guess broaden your your range of people who are going to find your book that's i never would have thought of that i don't know well and it's it's because like i overthink everything i do and so i i spent a good year listening to podcasts about Mm self-publishing um and digital marketing is always part of my job whether i'm making videos or handling social media for somebody um and so i'm constantly like studying podcasts and YouTube videos about digital marketing and self-publishing. So like, I didn't know any of this stuff, man. And, and I mean, that's just something like I'll like my co- a couple of my college professors will have like, w- like once a year, will have me like talk, like talk to their classes back in Texas. Oh. And I often tell them that like, ugh, I've like become a guy who like, I was never somebody who did homework. You know, I was always <laughs> like a punk kid who just didn't give a shit about school. Always had like, average grades um but now i'm just like telling people like you gotta do homework because it's never gonna stop you know yeah like it, and i'm talking to kids who are in like communications and media classes who are gonna do what i do eventually mm-hmm. um and that's just like it's the truth like you have to just keep learning because things change so much yeah for sure all right so i didn't know any of this stuff until i just dove into it yeah all right uh, can you tell me about your writing process for this book? I mean, the writing process is in the book. I <laughs> I took a bunch of pills and locked myself in a hotel room and drank a bunch. And it is not my writing process anymore because it is super unhealthy. And it's, it almost killed me literally back then and other times when I was irresponsible with, you know, the way I abused certain drugs and alcohol and um yeah so it's absolutely not my writing process but um but I also like don't have much of a writing process because I it's very weird like I think things out like I said I overthink things which is probably why I'm not as productive as I you know probably have the potential to be Mm. um but what that turns into is that it never hits a page until I've already thought it out in my head, you know? Um, That's how I was with like screenplays. That's how I was with stand-up comedy. Like so many people, almost everybody who does stand-up comedy tests out their material on an open mic night. And I would test out my material on open mics 
but after I was sure, after I felt so good about something that I was confident it would work to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. If I was testing it out, it was to like get the rhythm out loud with people, you know, see how people reacted to see if there was something to follow it up with, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe I didn't like, maybe this word needed to be tweaked, but I always knew the joke was there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's because I just like, I mean, I've been a pop culture nerd my whole life. I've just watched movies. I've watched comedy. I've, you know, I'm not a huge reader, um, but I think when you, when you like are a pop culture nerd, you tend to like know what works, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just like process all that in my head before, before I put it down on the paper. This book is not that at all because it's like i mean it's all it's all explained in the book how like you know i just had i won this contest and i got to stay in a hotel for a weekend and i wanted to write because i hadn't written in a very long time um i had stopped for a little while um and then this book is just what came out of me because i was super depressed and you know i have major depressive disorder and anxiety disorder and i was dealing with like a weird relationship thing at the time And so I had all this like messiness in my head and I was alone with it. And so um, I didn't know what to do, but take pills and, you know, write and, um, and drink. Mm -hmm. And this is what came out of it. So there wasn't very much of a process with it. And the process that there was, I would not suggest in doing because I mean, yeah, I don't know. It it I I wrote a lot of it that weekend. Um I wrote most of it that weekend. But then years later, I I when I finished it, I I added some stuff, you know? So like I was capable of doing it without the drugs and without the alcohol. There was there was like a year, you know, a year to two years in between from when I started it in the hotel room to when I finished it, that I didn't touch it because I was so scared of the mindset that I was in when I wrote it because Mm. it was such a dark mindset that I didn't want to revisit that, you know? And so when the time came to finish it, I I guess I was like a little bit healthier, maybe just more responsible, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have to, you know, I didn't do what I did when I started it. So I'm obviously capable of, writing it because i finished it in a different mindset you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i didn't need to do what i did when it first came out or when i first when it first came out of my head um but yeah so i don't know i really need a process because <laughs> i have a lot of shit i need to write but i i just am not writing as much as i should so yeah if you ask that question anybody's got a good process please pass it along to me <laughs> Most of them are just cluster fucks, like most of the musicians we talk to. They're just like, yeah, we just shit shit, just shit it out. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, yeah, that was pretty much what, like, you know, I, we did in band, when I played in bands, too. It's like, there were no, like, writing sessions, really. They, like, look yeah. at us. They're like, yeah, we get that question all the time, and we still don't have a good answer for it. Yeah. You know, I here, I, I, I've gotten a good answer from someone else before, and I told myself I was going to, like, put adopt that (laughs) but uh because i still like interview bands and stuff and uh mostly for video now and not really writing anymore um but i went to south by southwest like two years ago i think and 
Do you know the band Illuminati Hotties? No. So good. Familiar. Yeah, check them out. Check. It's like a it's like a girls project, but it's like on record. It's a like a punk band, mm-hmm. um, but it's so good. Um, but I interviewed, and I hate that I forget her name every time I talk about this, but um, I interviewed the girl who, you know, is Illuminati Hotties, and uh, she was telling me how she, like, you know, is responsible about writing and, and like, sets time aside to write, like, it's her job, because it is, um, but she doesn't expect that to be like the the creative, the most creative stuff. She does it because it like improves her craft and disciplines her to do it. But then when she gets the muse and the creative spark, she goes back to it and like um, applies the like new creative um, motivation to what she did when she was like working, you know? Yeah. And I thought, well, that sounds smart and like the right way to do it so i said i was going to do that but i have never you know incorporated a a routine or yeah i need to do that i need to be more disciplined about this stuff yeah (laughs) um so how do you pick which songs are going to be like the soundtrack for this book yeah i mean it's it's this kind of the same in that like i didn't really pick them you know like in the in the first chapter of the book um it's titled 23 by jimmy world because the song 23 pops up in it um and when you read that chapter it talks about how like that song came on you know was playing in my headphones as that as what i wrote about was happening so that song just belonged there you know because that song was playing when it happened um and uh then there are there are other chapters where like the the two-door cinema club chapter takes place at a two-door cinema club concert and there's a lot of stuff I like I have some flashbacks in there about Tudor Cinema Club so um that's how that song got in there and then like um let me think The Dangerous Summer and Bayside are in there like three times each I think um and yeah they're both in there three times each and uh that's because those are the bands that have just always gotten me through times like this you know like in the book um whenever I've been down and you know depressed like those are the bands that I listen to. So they were playing in the background in that hotel room that weekend. Um, in fact, like I just got my Spotify wrapped year in review thing of like my top bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's kind of embarrassing this year, but um, almost share. every, almost every year, um, the dangerous summer has been my like top band that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this year, for some reason, I listened to a lot of Hamilton, um, oh, like Hamilton okay, soundtrack, um, which like it pumps me up, man. I love that. I love that story, and like I'll listen to it when I run, like if I go for a run or something. Um, it's it's like my hype music, so I listen to it a lot, or I did this year, um, like earlier this year, and so it's like my top three artists were like Hamilton soundtrack, and then Lin Manuel Miranda, and then Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> But then it was the dangerous summer number four and then taylor swift number five um, <laughs> but uh yeah so the dangerous summer still made top five but yeah it's like them and bayside man they're the bands i listen to all the time when i when i'm just dealing with shit mm-hmm. yeah. That's fair. so how did you actually choose the lyrics from those songs to highlight in the book and how did you figure out where to place them throughout the chapters 
Um, that kind of comes naturally to me. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I had written stuff before, like, you know, when I was doing like music journalism, um, which I did before and during and after the book, um, as far as like writing goes. Um, and I had like, when my brother and I had our magazine, which he still does down in Texas, but when I wrote for it, I did like a warp tour review where I worked, where like, I was telling the story of like my day at warp tour. Um, and I had gone with this girl that I was dating. Um, so it was kind of like a, a pre, you know, a, a sh very short version of like how this book is written. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, it was like, it wasn't, it was a warp tour review, but it was like written as a story about me going to warp tour with this girl um and so you know reliant k played that year angels and airwaves played that year and so like what as i was writing the review um i would like put in i would interrupt paragraphs with like parts of the songs from because i'm talking about reliant k playing so i would interrupt it with like a reliant k lyric um okay. or an angels and airwaves lyric um that's just like a thing that's that's became a style for me i like mm -hmm. i never saw it anywhere or anything it's just that that's how i relate that i mean I, like i say in the book like i i i think in like i have a musical mind mm -hmm. where like i just think in songs you know they're just like i just relate everything to like songs that or like if something reminds me of the song and if i'm explaining it then i have to like include the song i don't know it's weird okay hmm. that's cool that's really though cool. yeah because yeah, so as you just... said i hadn't seen it anywhere so i was like "Ooh, this is different <laughs> cool no i'm glad to hear that yeah. um yeah i mean there's some other there's some like there's um i was talking about that guy who who mentioned another author that my writing style is kind of like um this guy named rob sheffield who writes a lot for rolling stone he's a great writer uh, he has a book called love is a mixtape and he doesn't do the lyric thing like I do, but, you know, they're like, he'll talk about songs. Like the book is about like songs that relate to the story that he's telling. Um, but like, I didn't, I never read him until after I wrote this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like the way we kind of, the way we like interpret our thoughts into writing is kind of similar. Um, he's a great writer. Very cool. Uh, so this question should be super, super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe this book in three words for new readers. Ooh, three words. Hmm. Is this supposed to be quick? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, sad. <laughs> um, emo. It's kind of the same thing. Um, and hopeful. Which, which like I never used to say until I've been I've been talking about this a lot on like podcasts and interviews and stuff, and people have kind of pointed out to me how it's hopeful, and I I used to warn people that it's not hopeful, because I I didn't want people to be so disappointed by it, um, but as people but as I've talked about it more and more like I've learned that it is hopeful in a way that I've never seen anything be hopeful. Um, like, I don't know, without spoiling anything, like the guy in the book, which I, which now is what I say because it's not me anymore. Yeah. Like I call him a character and like the guy in the book because I've come so far 
when in my mental health that like i don't even see that as me anymore um but uh that guy like keeps going you know and the, the book is about how like over and over he's disappointed and let down by this like dream he has and just can't seem to attain and he still keeps going so yeah someone pointed out that it's hopeful to me and i i mean i see it so yeah i'll throw in hopeful i like hopeful it's good uh so you actually have a podcast that ties with the book what sparked the idea for that yeah um so i started it's it's kind of a podcast like i i it's so weird i try to explain that because like i listen to a lot of podcasts and it's not a podcast in the way podcasts are like i don't um record things specifically for that um Mm -hmm. i have a charity called zero platoon where i interview bands um uh, i started it to like work with bands to reach out to people in the military who deal with mental health issues um because i was in the army and had a really hard time with that stuff um and was so into music that i knew like if i could go to concerts like i used to like if i had the freedom to just go to any concert i wanted to like i used to I'd probably feel better because you know you have your community and and you get to like sing the songs of your favorite bands and stuff and so i wanted to start this thing where i just take bands to play for military people who can't get out and see them all the time um and i started it by making this youtube channel which is still going uh yeah just search zero platoon on youtube um and so I interview bands and shoot acoustic videos with bands and I'll talk to the bands about like how they've used music to get through like hard times, whether or not they have depression or anxiety, just like hard times. Um, and so we, we talk about mental health, um, and then they'll do like acoustic videos and talk about what inspired them to write a song. And so these interviews are usually like an hour long or Mm -hmm. more. And I have to chop them down to like, 10 15 minute videos because nobody watches videos longer than that um and so i've decided to you know make a podcast so i could put the full interviews out there for people to hear mm-hmm. um and with that i also what actually what made me launch the podcast idea was i had recorded an audiobook version of my book with me reading it because i I wanted to have that to show to bands and record labels um, when I was going to ask to use the music in the audiobook because I would have to license it, you know, get permission to use it. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted them to see it to get an idea of what I was going to do. So I had I, I recorded the whole book, me reading it, and I mixed the songs in um, the actual songs. And so I decided, like, I'll just put them out there. You know, I put a couple. There's like four chapters on my podcast which is just a burger joint um so you can hear me reading four chapters but the actual audiobook the professional audiobook that's going to be released next probably in january um has been recorded by tyler posey who is an actor who was in teen wolf on mtv mm-hmm. um great dude he's in a super great punk band called pop punk band called five, uh, five north um yeah, super cool dude. He so he recorded the audiobook and the songs are mixed in there and I've got almost all of them cleared. Still waiting for like two to be finished or to be cleared and then hopefully it'll be out in January. So yeah, I wanted to kind of put that out there for people too, so 
that's where the podcast came from. All right. That's Very it. cool. How'd you guys start yours? A joke. It was a joke. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah, how, how was it a joke? Um, so basically, I saw another um, group of people start a podcast, but it wasn't really a podcast. It was like a radio station. And mm. so I went to my group of friends, which included Shane and like maybe eight other people. And I was like, haha, we should start a podcast because we can do it better than them as a joke. Um, and then we actually started and the first like season was just us playing music. And then that music got eventually got like all of our streams taken down off of like YouTube and oh, other stuff. It it wasn't a loss because we were just talking over each other. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if anything it helped us uh, have like a cleaner slate um and then like uh quarantine happened and shane was like yo you want to do this like professionally not professionally but like seriously and i was real? like yeah sure let's do it and That's then awesome. by yeah by that time we lost everybody everybody kind of dipped and then now it's just us so no that's super cool and that's exactly what i'm talking about man like right now everybody for the most part is able to do this like mm -hmm. you guys obviously have cool like you know mic stands and professional mics and stuff but like you don't even need that you know if you yeah. want if you're the kind of person who like has like i said has the passion to not necessarily tell a story but get something out there like you guys are spreading like the word about music that people don't know about that's how me and my brother started our magazine mm -hmm. we wanted to tell people about punk bands that only played four hours away you know so we would go drive four hours interview bands come back to our little town and write about bands um and that's that's all it takes man it's just like everybody can do anything now like mm -hmm. i self-published this book you know i didn't need anybody to do it for me mm. like nobody you don't need anybody to you know make your podcast happen just yeah. fucking do it yeah. yeah that's great that's awesome that you guys are doing that because yeah, that's yeah. what it takes like anything else you know you know if you guys are interested in doing more media stuff like if you're learning right now how to just do it yourself that's great yeah it's only going to get easier too exactly hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. and i mean the pandemic itself was like a blessing in disguise for us because then suddenly everyone was free no one's on tour nothing so exactly. we're just like want to come on the podcast and like we have nothing better to do so sure, sure. yeah dude so. that's exactly like i've been telling other podcasters that because like I've been, it's been so easy for me to get a hold of like AJ from the dangerous summer and, exactly. um, and like the guys from Bayside, like I drove to Nashville, um, a couple months ago. And like, while I was in Nashville, I met with Anthony and Jack from Bayside. I met with Chris Caraba from dashboard confessional. Wow. I met with one of the guys with Matt hoops from Reliant K cause they're all just home, you yeah. know? And yeah. I, um, so I like, Oh, man. So I got a bunch of these like books oh, signed by Bayside because so cool. I went to LA too to meet with Tyler Posey mm -hmm. and like Tyler signed it um, and the other two guys from Bayside live in Orange County so they signed it um, and then when I went to Nashville I got Chris Caraba, Anthony, Jack and like all these other people to sign it and I'm going to auction them off when the audiobook comes out Mm -hmm. So I've got like 10 copies. I've got like 10 posters signed by all these people. Um, but yeah, like it was easier than you would think, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, and especially kind of like being in, you know, the emo and like punk scene, it's always been about a community, you know? And so I feel like all these people are also, you know, maybe more likely to support something mm -hmm. because 
we know now that we're, I mean, I feel like it was known more in that community that um, we're all in this together, but because of the pandemic, like now everybody is all about, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is, it is like a time where people who are creative need to take advantage of kind of the, the playing field being leveled, you know, because like yeah. major labels and major publishers and all these companies that only knew one way to do things got pushed back, like got set, set back by this pandemic. Whereas DIY people were just like, yeah, this is what we've been doing all along. This is so, what we were like, ready for. Yeah. 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 So we, we all, I mean, that's all I did. I did. Like I just took advantage. I mean, I've been, I, I had planned on it being out in June. Like I launched the Indiegogo in April. Um, and so like I was already planning it in March yeah. when all this happened. Um, and so it's like, for me, it was coincidence, but once this started happening, I kind of tried to, you know, do more than I was planning because I have like, a, a the opportunity to reach more people right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's funny that you brought up like the whole getting to meet people because no one's on tour kind of thing. Like we were able to pull off a bunch of interviews that like had this not happened, we wouldn't have like I saw Motion City soundtrack in January and then in September we interviewed Justin. Yeah, so that's awesome, dude. I was like, cool. okay. And we've interviewed a bunch of other like up and coming pop punk bands within the yeah. scene that, you know, dropped albums this year. So it's all that's kind of like a blessing cool, in disguise. And yeah. And then like, you know, if things ever do go back to normal, you'll already have all these things. The foot like, in the door, like, yeah. That's the thing. When I when I launched Zero Platoon, the first which was like nobody knew what it was, nobody really knew me. I had I had some contacts from like my pre my music journalism, um, but the first person who did a video with me for Zero Platoon was Brett Detter, the singer for the Juliana Theory, mm -hmm. and he was working. He was doing his solo project and played in New York, and I just reached out to him i want to say on like facebook or something yeah um because i reached out directly to him and he did a video with me and because he, like are you guys familiar with the juliana theory only from your book okay this is the first time i'd heard well, of them they're from like 1999 2000 very influential emo band like hugely influential um and so because he did it like i was able to get you know a couple by just by telling other like these other like i i got like uh have mercy was like one of the next bands and this is like when they were still on top shelf um and so uh but i could say like yeah brett detter from the juliana theory did mm -hmm. one and they were like you know they know who that is mm -hmm. and then i got like like the fourth or fifth video i did was with matt Pryor from the get up kids nice. because like the ghetto kids know who the Juliana theory is because they come from the same era of being like influential emo bands. Mm -hmm. And then you get the ghetto kids, then like everybody knows who the ghetto kids are. So like yeah. people come in and that's what this is like. That's awesome that you're, you're doing that. You just got to stay on top of it and like keep it going. Yeah. And even you brought up like going out on a whim and just contacting them directly. That's what I do on Twitter. I just at these yeah. bands and the front people and stuff. I'm like, you want to come on the podcast? I'm like, sure. Yep. And it's like yeah. just on a whim. Today I did it and blew Glory's pants off because she's been wanting to interview this band forever. And I was like, yeah. look at what I just yeah. did. 
Yeah, so, nice. who was it? Can you tell me who it was or no? Uh, it hasn't been booked yet, so it would be really awkward okay. if we dropped this interview and it and didn't it happen. But yeah. <laughs> it's with confidence. Or maybe they'll make them feel like they have to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah, you can tell me off when we're not recording. Well, I just said it, so I'll say it She's again. Saying, with oh. confidence. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear. Um. Yeah, man. Like. Um, I I've met Chris Caraba a few times before, um, and I went out on the road with Have Mercy a long time ago and they played this festival in Ohio where Chris Caraba was playing with his other band twin forks. And I talked to him there and he gave me his number. Cause I told him about zero platoon and we were supposed to work out a zero platoon thing, which never happened. Um, and I just messaged him on Instagram mm-hmm. and, you know, just said like, Hey, you know, we met blah, blah, blah. Um, and he messaged me back and told me to like, give him a call. And so like, I, we actually had a Zoom. We had a Zoom meeting um, before I went to Nashville. Um, but yeah, I mean, Instagram's pretty. I think pretty good. Maybe even, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't use Twitter that much, so um, I like everything. Just like there's just too much flowing by there, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so it's hard for me to like pay attention. Um, but I feel like Instagram's a good way to go with with people. I found Twitter to be the easier way just because yeah. like Instagram, like if they're not following you, it goes to the message request and the bigger people aren't going to check the message request. Mm. Yeah. So it's like you on Twitter, if they were going to, if their DMs aren't open, I just go, Hey, want to come on the podcast? And if they see it and respond, they'll follow mm. us back and then nice. get something going there. So mm. I find it easier that way. Yeah. Maybe I got to start trying Twitter, man. Yeah. Twitter's the way to go. In my opinion. I mean, it's a toxic shithole. Oh my but, god, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, at least pulled off some interviews through it. So. Yeah, that's a thing too, man. I I can't handle like how toxic Facebook gets sometimes. So I don't know if I can handle Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I try to stay away Twitter's... from Facebook. I'm a little too young for Facebook. I don't know how Facebook works. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook was my go-to for press contacts for a while, and then they updated the website. Yeah, I know. So, that's such that's such bullshit. Like yeah. they're not on there anymore. Now I have to like I have to either use the app or like get on the press release thing, and I don't want that. It just blows it's up stinky. the email. Exactly. Oh man, yeah, I so, get so many press releases still. Yeah. Um, Which is like, thanks for. I'm glad you. I'm glad you saw this one because, <laughs> I mean, I know I know how that goes. Like I, I, yeah, I get. They attached a little message still, to this one with like a high chain, kind of thing because nice. they do that sometimes, and that one went straight to the inbox. So it's like that's nice. cool. Um, so do you yeah, have any pictures? Great. And they, they're, yeah. they're big good picture. people. And, and see, actually, this is kind of how, how I like, you know, when me and my bro, like I met Dana who runs big picture probably 13, 14 years ago around like maybe in like her first year of big picture. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I were running our magazine and we interviewed all of her bands at South by Southwest that year. But then through those years, like, you know, I, I would interview like any, any band I could with her. Um, and like, I'm, I'm like one of her small guys, you know, I'm one of big picture small guys. So, um, but that helped me get the bigger guys later, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, this is, this is a good move talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Becky's our, our best friend over there. We love Becky. Oh yeah. She's great. Yeah. So she, much. she handled zero platoon when I went out on tour. She was zero platoon's publicist. That's very oh. cool. Um, so do you have anything in the works, whether author, other things, whatever you got going on? 
Yeah, I'm having a baby. Hell yeah. Oh, that's that's Congrats. a big thing, yeah. Congrats. Um, yeah, no, my I mean we we found out a couple months ago, but we just like started telling people um cuz we just hit like we're in like week 14 and you don't tell people till week 12. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, so I just started telling people like yesterday. Um but uh so yeah, I'm very excited about that. I'm I I used to be scared. I'm so ready for it now, you know. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. 38, but uh like I used to be scared that I would never do anything once I had a kid mm-hmm. and that's still very likely, but now I'm not scared of it because I'm so excited about this kid yeah. um, that I'm like, okay, if I never do anything else ever again. Um, for now, I don't know. Maybe the, the kid might suck, so. Oh, let's hope not. I'm pretty sure it won't, though. My wife yeah. and I are pretty cool people. It'll turn out all right. Just don't, let, just, just don't let read this book. Well, yeah. I mean, at some point, of course, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think we'll. I think, I think a kid becomes cool if your parents are cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's usually how it works out. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if I know any lame people who had really cool parents. <laughs> um, but uh, my wife and I are pretty cool, so I, I think the kid will be cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, but then the audiobook, man. Like I'm hoping the audio the, the audiobook should be out in January. Um, I'm so excited about that because Tyler Posey read it in a way that like makes it even less about like makes me feel like it's less about me mm-hmm. because he kind of he like acts it out almost like he he created a character to read it you know and so it's so good how he how he's read it and to hear the music actually pop up in it like a soundtrack is very cool too um and I mean, he said that he he would love to make it a TV show. So I uh-huh. I just need to get my shit together and write a script, and hopefully it'll be a TV show someday. That's so um, cool. That's huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it is huge. It is. It's very huge. But it means like I have to sit down and write a script. Oh yeah, and that's. I'm I told you I'm so bad at like the discipline part of like yeah. a process. I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's exciting though. That's yeah. that's really exciting. You have a lot. Shouldn't that's have cool. said that because now if there's never a TV show, you know it's because I suck and I failed. Well, I mean, <laughs> I also just told you about an interview that I literally just DM'd the person over today. So like, <laughs> it's it's not it's kind of the same thing. Yours is just All a TV right. show. Mine's an interview. So. Well, <laughs> let's say they're both gonna happen. Manifesting. Or make sure they're both That'd gonna cool. happen. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, so you said everyone's done for when there's karaoke. So what is your go-to karaoke song? Um, Very important question. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a, it's not a hard question. It's it's just like it depends on the crowd, you know. Like, mm-hmm. um, "Hey Jealousy" by the Gin Blossoms is mm-hmm. probably one of my top, definitely one of my top songs. But that's if like I'm with people like more my age and like kind of my like peer group. But mm-hmm. then like at work we had like um like a i think it was like a holiday party and there's karaoke and i did like run around sue mm-hmm. i want to say or the wanderer which i mentioned in the book by Dion on the belmonts it's like a 50s song um but like because i work with a lot of older people you know and it's it's like a cool song for people who don't know it but then it's also like older people love it and go crazy about it 
Mm -hmm. um, and then the cure, just like heaven, that's one too, but you don't really sing just like heaven at work. So it depends on the crowd. Yeah. Um, and then like, if I'm, if I'm with people who actually know like pop punk and stuff or emo stuff, I'll do, I, I do taking back Sunday all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, hands down my dashboard confessional. So yeah, taking back Sunday and hands down are our go-tos when I'm with like my emo friends. Okay. What about you guys? Do you guys do karaoke? No. I don't do karaoke, but if I had to, it would probably be No Control by One Direction because it's just, yeah. Nice. It's... I heard today, where was I? Um, oh, yeah. I had to go scout a location for a shoot, and it was a doctor's office, and they were playing, like, the most basic, you know, mainstream pop, which I mm -hmm. love. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but mm -hmm. One Direction is basic, but... but that story yeah. of my life song came on. I oh my god, I love that song. Man. That's so yeah, good. It's, it's a banger. Um, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so going from One Direction straight to Death Row. If you're on Death Row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Oh, I thought you were gonna say you sing a, a song from Death Row Records when you do oh, karaoke. We always get Death Row Records. All the time. Every time. But it's, um, it's wait, you didn't meal. say your karaoke song, Shane. I yeah, Shane. don't have a karaoke song. I Shane, don't do what, karaoke. If you had to do karaoke, what, what song? Honestly, the one that's popping into my head right now is Headstrong by Trapped. I'm being oh. dead serious. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. No, I have some that. stories that about Trapped, but it's their music kind of smacks just a little bit. That would that would be a, that'd be a fun, uh, yeah, a fun song. Interesting. He bullied me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to I tried to trap him um, when his phone number got out. I tried to. I tried to <laughs> he, he, was, he was too smart to answer back. That, that's hard oh to God. believe. I don't know. He blocked me on Twitter because I think I called him a one hit wonder too many times, and it really mm. got to his uh, his ego there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So death row. Yep. Yeah. Last meal and a drink. Last meal and a drink. Mm -hmm. Um. My last meal would be a double meat, double cheese, Whataburger. Okay. Um, where are you guys from? Virginia. New Jersey. Okay. Oh, okay. Wait, how did you guys know each other? The internet. Yeah. Oh, internet. cool. Yeah. That's, man, that's so cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's, um, too old for, for that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have that when I was a kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, so in Texas, there's this, like, burger chain uh, called Whataburger, but it's mm -hmm. What A Burger, um, and it's the best. Every time I go home to Texas and have a double meat, double cheese Whataburger with mayo instead of mustard, because it comes with mustard, but if you do mm -hmm. it with mayo, it's way better. Okay, um, noted. I have said, like, if I had to choose how to, like, if somebody was going to kill me and told me that I could choose how to die, I would eat Whataburgers to death. Okay. Like, just keep eating Whataburgers. They're so good. Mm -hmm. So my instinct was almost to go with steak because I love steak also. Mm -hmm. But no, it would have to be a Whata-sized, that's when you large size it, okay. Whataburger with fries. And as the, oh, well, I'll have some scotch, some Johnny Walker, whatever the nicest Johnny Walker is because I've never had it. And um i think i would like to try that before i die okay sounds good so if you could live in one fictional world for a week where would you live 
one fictional world? Yes. I always mess that up that. already exists, or can I make one up? If you want to make one up, that's cool. I'm probably not creative enough to make one up. <laughs> so, um, oh, man. There's so many, like, boring ones from, mm-hmm. like, TV shows that I like. Like, like I love the show The West Wing. Oh, um, yeah. And because it's just so, like, idealistic. And it's, like, a government that actually cares about the people in the country yep. <laughs> um, and is not corrupt at all Mm -hmm. which i understand like and i'm not like being political here i know that both sides have their corrupt people and both sides have their people who you know benefit from being in positions of power in borderline unethical ways um so you know some certain people more than others um but uh but that just doesn't happen in the west wing and I love that. Um, and so, in fact, when I was in college, the second time of three times, in 2002 to 2004, I was president of College Democrats during when, were you guys alive then? You were alive then, right? No. Wait, in what year again? 2004. Yeah, I was Wait, two. what month? Oh, my God. That's awesome. I was born in 2004, so I was a couple months old, if not born yet. What so. month? I- September. Okay, so you were alive for the election, <laughs> barely, <laughs> in November. Yay. Oh, man, I love this. <laughs> this, is gonna, this should be the clip that you cut from this. Sure, promo. sure. I um, But no, so, like, I was, uh, like, 22 at the time, or 23? Uh, no, I was 22. Um, and, I, and it was, like, George Bush re-election versus John Kerry, and George Bush won. And I had put so much into that election um as president of college democrats i booked bands like nationally touring bands to have like voter registration signups i i had a i made a like a political film festival um i did a lot and carrie didn't win and i was like crushed and i quit college like after like december like i finished that semester and then i like packed up my van with all my shit and i moved to la Mm because i thought like i don't want to live in the real world i want to go to la and write and create worlds that i would rather live in you yeah. know um and, but it was i was watching a lot of west wing at that time mm-hmm. and it's so idealistic that i was just like that's the world i want like that's what made me want to write that, that's what made me really want to write you know as like a profession because mm-hmm. um, that shows so well written so i'll just go with that even if it's boring okay <laughs> west wing's fine uh, so I had the honor of asking the last question and every single person we've spoken to have said it's the most important question. Yeah. What is your favorite color? Man, that is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Do people answer this quickly normally? It really depends. Some people kind of like, well, it used to be this color when I was two years old, but now it's actually this color. Or some people I are just like, I have a million oh. black t-shirts, but I don't think that's my favorite color. Okay. Um, I do like, I just like colors, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something my wife and I, like, kind of disagree on sometimes because I like bright colors. Yeah. Um, and we're never going to live in a house with bright colors. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, probably like a bright blue. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I have a lot of blue stuff too, which I actually, you know, I have a lot of black 
t-shirts because bands make black t-shirts yeah. so i feel like when there's a choice of colors i pick blue so i'll go with blue okay, okay. blue solid color um so as i said that's all the questions we have today is there anything that you would like to plug um no i mean just like like you guys said you can check out the podcast uh which is a burger joint uh it's b-e-r-g-e-r um and there's some cool interviews with bands on there Vinny from the movie life um, and I am the Avalanche is on there. Um, Mariel from Best X is on there, I think. I'm pretty sure I put that on there. Um, but you can also hear some audiobook chapters on there. I believe like the introduction and chapter one, two, and three are on there. Um, so yeah, there's some cool stuff on there and I'll keep putting more stuff. Um, and yeah, if you just, you know, um, my social media is Mikey Lee rock M I K E Y L E E R O C K or a burger joint. Um, yeah, you can find me on there. I answer DMS because I only get like one every now and then. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, check out the book, please. Um, 50% of the pro of the, of the royalties go to charity every month. So you get a cool book and you help out charities like, um, this charity called the Continuance Foundation, which provides um, mental health services to musicians. Um, so I donate to them. I've been donating to them for the last few months and um, Hope for the Day, which is a suicide prevention charity. Um, I donate to them too. So yeah, if you get the book, you can, I mean, part of that money goes to charity. And yeah, just please find me on social media so you can find out when the audiobook and all that cool stuff happens oh yeah all right that's it uh well, well thank you for now this has been mike kenberger and we're the good noise podcast <laughs>